All right, you will come on in and find your seats. The sooner you sit down, the, the, the faster I'll preach and the faster we'll get to cookies. So that's what this is all about. Um, clearly, I'm a cookie fan. Favorite cookie, chocolate chip, by the way, just in case you were curious. That's, um, hey, I'm glad that you're here. Um, I'm excited to continue on this journey. I, I was thinking that I'm a week in to uh, being your pastor and I haven't burned the church down, so we're doing good. <laughs> I mean, we're on a roll. We're week one. Uh, honestly, it's been a, a, a privilege and an honor in the one week I've had to be your pastor, um, learning a lot, getting to know people. I'm, I'm really excited to spend time getting to know more of you. We are in the midst of our move. So like we said, our house down in Marysville is sold. We close on the 16th. Next Saturday, we're going to load all our stuff into a U-Haul and move into my dad's place because we're trying to find a house. So if you would, in your prayer time, just remember, uh, remember the Fox family, help us to uh, have the wisdom and God would open a door because it's not always easy. If you've ever bought and sold houses, it's sometimes you're like, God, what are you doing? Please do this in my time. But pray for us. We would really, really appreciate it as we just kind of immerse ourselves in the community. And as we get settled, I'm really excited to having people over to, to meeting some of you and having more time just here in this town, which we love. Which, by the way, I did go to the football game. Go Eagles! Um, so uh, it, uh, it is really an honor and a privilege. We are, we're in a kind of a, a series. The first series that I preach at this church is really kind of the, I'm calling it the focus. It's not, not, the, not the vision of our church. It's not the, the vision of where CTK is going. It's really the focus of what God has told me. As I was praying all summer, and, and you've heard this a couple times, you'll hear it again, I felt God download this, simpl this simple focus that Adam, I want you to lead the people in this direction. And, and the focus really, really is this. The most simplest way I can, I can think of, to love God and love people. If you can remember that, I, I'm here to love God with all that I have and love people. It's, it's, a lot of times we try to make it real, real difficult. We have this, these long sayings on the wall and, and different things like, there's no way I'll memorize that. This is it right here. Love God, love people. And God just kept reiterating that to me. Adam, what I want you to do is just go, go to Fernando. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. And then as I, as I dig into Scripture, we're defining that a little more clearly. How do we love God? We're going to love God through the way we worship. We're going to love God through our devotion, our, our time just giving Him our hearts. We're going to love God, uh, we're going to love people through the way we do community, which I love, breaking bread groups. In fact, we have one going on this afternoon. Breaking bread groups are awesome. Uh, it, through the way we do community, the way we love each other, and, and our generosity. We talked about that in the giving time. And it's more than just money. It's just with our lives. We want to get involved with what the city doing. Let's do it. We want to love people that way so that they can love God the way that he deserves to be loved. We're going to take a couple weeks and just kind of drill in on these, these bottom four. Worship, devotion, community, generosity. Today, we're going to focus on worship. What is that? What does it look like? What does it mean? Because I'll tell you this, it's so much more than Jessica leading us in worship and a band playing. That's definitely part of it. But it's so much more than that. Before we jump into worship, um, let me ask you this question. What do you have that is valuable? What, what do you have at home? If you were going to say, what is the most valuable thing I own? What is the value to you? Maybe you have a, an, a rare painting. Maybe you have the Mona Lisa at home. If you do, can I come over? Because I would always want to see that in person. Uh, maybe, maybe for you, it's your house or your car. I, I don't know what it is. But what is it that is valuable to you? Um, I, I was doing some research online of things that people bought and paid a lot of money for. And you're just like, what in the world? Somebody paid $1,200 for a Dorito that was shaped like the Pope's hat. 
And like, $1,200 for a Dorito. I like, aren't they all kind of shaped like the Pope's hat a little bit? Like, good use of money, sir, ma'am, whoever you are. Um, I watched this one on a vlog. Somebody paid $100 for a bottle of water because it was like bottled from an iceberg. And I was watching this vlog. I'm like, $100 for a bottle. And it wasn't, it wasn't big. And, and he takes it and he pours it into a glass and takes a drink and, and he stops and he says, that tastes like water. Like, <laughs> bless your heart. Yes, it does. Um, the, the, a few, just a few others that kind of stood out to me. Somebody paid $31,000 for John Lennon's molar, his tooth. Like, yeah, you can love the Beatles. That's awesome. But, ew, it's a tooth. Um, this one got me and... and Pardon me if this, this offends you a little bit, but somebody paid $16,000 for Queen Victoria's underpants. Like, what? Ew, why? And then the last one, this gets me. Somebody paid $826,000 for the world's largest cat painting. You really must like cats. The world's largest cat painting. I, I, I don't know what you have, but we all, let's be honest, we all have those things we spend maybe a little more than we should. Um, I was talking to somebody this, this week, and his name's name anonymous, but it's Dallas. Um, uh, <laughs> we were talking about mugs, and he has this strange obsession with mugs, and I'm like, what crazy person would ever do that? As my wife looks at me and goes, I have the same problem. <laughs> Dallas and I were like, yes, mugs. She asked me to get rid of mugs all the time. I'm like, no, mugs are memories. Uh, I have mugs that I, I, have, I have one that I paid 40 bucks for. Like, it's just a mug. But I drink it, I'm like, ah, we all have those, don't we? These things in life that are just really, really important. And as we think about these things, if I were to go to your house, and, and I'm not going to do that, or if I was to look through, um, I'd like to come over, invite me for cookies. Um, if I was to look at all these things, and I, and I saw where, we, where you spend your money, I'd be able to tell what's important to you. And that's true, sometimes painful, right? Like, please don't, because I don't want you to know how much I spend on mugs. Um, Dallas. Uh, but we all have those things, these things that are important to us, we spend money on. And the truth of this message is this. If, if I can tell what's valuable to you by the way you spend your money, same, I can tell what or who you worship by where you spend your money and time. It's just a reality, and, and, and sometimes I don't like hearing that because I don't like the answer to it. Worship, what is it? Worship, the, the word literally means this, the act of attributing reverence, honor, or worth to God. It's ascribing value to our God. It's saying, God, you are worthy of my time, of my life, uh, way more than money, just everything. God, you are everything. We look at what worship is, and, and I, I, I like to study, uh, I read commentaries, I, just, I read scriptures over and over. Um, but sometimes when I'm preparing a sermon, I'll Google search the topic. <laughs> and so I Google search um, uh, what is real worship or how to worship. And, and, and boom, right at the top was this. Three elements of worship. The next line, seven keys to worship. The next one, four types of worship. Uh, the next one, five elements of worship. And, and another one, four reasons to worship. And I'm looking at all these numbers to worship, I'm like, why do we have to make it so complicated? <laughs> Why do we have to make it so hard? Because shouldn't worship be just what's in me saying, Jesus, here I am? 
but we make it complicated. I, I love doing studying. In fact, I did a word study on worship in the Old Testament. So the Hebrew word for worship, there's actually seven of them. And just because I'm kind of a nerd this way, I, I, I think it's fascinating. These are seven words that um, the Bible describes worship as in the Old Testament. Yada, is, it means to worship with extended hands. To worship God like this. Uh, there's another word for worship is uh, tehillah. It means to sing a loud or spontaneous song. So I'm going to stand up and sing a loud and no, I'm not. Um, but it means to sing that loud, sing a song to, 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 to God. Barak means to kneel and bow in reverence. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you just bow before Jesus. Uh, there's the word halal um, in, in Hebrew. Uh, that means to boast or celebrate our God. Uh, there's the, the Hebrew word toda means to give worship by the extending of hands in, in thanksgiving. Um, this is kind of a, a attributed to like sacrifice or offering. God, I'm worshiping you in this way. When I say as we give, it's part of our, our offering. When we give our offering, it's, it's worship. Um, that's what, where that comes from. Zamar, to sing with instruments. Shabak, to address in a loud tone or to proclaim his glory. These words in the Old Testament you'll find in different places if you do this word study. It just brings a depth of what worship is, of what that word means. But I still started to ask this question, what does it look like? What does it look like when you and I to worship? Because it's, it's more than just singing a song. What does it look like to worship God as he deserves? I don't think you'd argue with me that he deserves everything. He's God. What does that look like? I don't want to make this complicated and give you seven keys and three 13 principles. I just want to look at one scripture, one time in the Bible, where I believe, as the, as the, the, the author of this gospel, Luke, writes out, it, I think it's the most pure, most sincere picture of worship that, in my opinion, that we have in the Bible, of what, this, what happens. So if you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 7. We're going to read it. It's going to be on the screen. But before I read scripture, I want to pray. I like to pray before I jump into the word just so God would open my heart. So would you bow with me as we pray? Lord, speak to us through your word. God, I pray that my words aren't my own, but they're from you. As we read your word, would you speak to our hearts? Push out distraction. May we hear your truth and your truth may set us free. In Jesus' name, everybody said let me read it to you. It's a little longer than some, sec some portions that I read, but it's such a great story. This is an example of worship. Let me read it to you. It's Luke chapter 7, verse 30, starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to this Pharisee's home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man, if Jesus really were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. If Jesus says that to you, listen. Um, Simon says, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 
500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him, kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one from whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, so he's talking to Simon, but looking at the woman who's at his feet. He says, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, Simon, her sins, and, and they are many, have been forgiven. She has known, she has shown me much love, but a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, I love this, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table sat, said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love this scripture and the picture that this paints as Luke's writing and recounting what really happened. We read the Bible. This isn't just some story from a storybook. This actually happened. I love the picture of what's going on here. There's a, a man named Simon, a Pharisee. And we talked last week about Pharisees. Pharisees, largely in, in, in the, uh, the scriptures and the gospel, they did things to try to trap Jesus. So when one Pharisee invited Jesus over, we can assume his intent was to get in a debate with Jesus and try to trip Jesus up and trap him in some way. Now, the Bible doesn't make it clear, but that's kind of what we assume from context of knowing why the Pharisees do what they do. He invited Jesus over, and then word gets out. The town starts swarming on this, this, this house of this Pharisee. Now, this, this woman who was a notorious sinner wouldn't have been invited. But at some point, I can, I can just imagine that there were so many people, the security guard at the door goes, I give up. <laughs> Come on in. I can't stop you now. And somehow, this notorious sinner, this woman, gets in the house and positions herself at the feet of Jesus. Somehow, she gets in. It's, it's fascinating to start putting this into, into our picture. She is a notorious sinner. The, the whole city knew her. We probably guess she was some, as a prostitute, but what we know about her is this. She was used, abused, beaten, set aside, cast out. So much so that anybody who, who is religious would say, we have nothing to do with her. Breaks my heart. She somehow got in. And she's at Jesus' feet. And it's interesting because at when they, and in those times, they didn't sit at tables like we do and pull up a seat with your fork and knife. It's not how they sat in the ancient Near East in Bible times. They would sit more like this. They would lean on one arm, their feet out, because you didn't want your feet anywhere near your food. Feet were disgusting. <laughs> they kind of still are. Um, so they put their feet back, and they would eat with one hand. So this woman positioned herself, and, and you can just kind of imagine in this picture, at the feet of Jesus. And, and she must have had an encounter with Jesus earlier because she's standing at, sitting at, at his feet and literal tears just streaming down her face. 
just just sobbing, weeping, uh, making his feet so wet that she needs something to dry it with, so she takes her hair, begins drying it. And then she takes this vial of perfume. We don't know how big it is. It was an alabaster jar. Uh, scholars believe that in, if it was brought into today's dollars, it would be worth somewhere in the, uh, uh, the ballpark of $50,000. It's like a year's wage. Uh, she brought that, and, and not only was she weeping and drying his feet, she was pouring this all over on his feet. This notorious sinner. That was her response. And then what's interesting is, uh, is Simon's response to that. Simon uh, watches, you can just see, he's probably the whole time that Jesus is talking, kind of sitting back in his chair watching, going, ew, this guy, he doesn't even understand. He's thinking this all to himself. And, and in his thoughts, he says, if this guy really were a prophet, he'd know who's touching him. And I love what the Bible says. It says, it says and Jesus, reading his thoughts, speaks to him. <laughs> like, and he says, this guy's not a prophet. And Jesus answers his thoughts like, boom, yes, I am. Let me show you. Uh, let me show you something. Um, it just, I, I laugh at that part. Reading his thoughts, Jesus tells this story or this parable. He says, Simon, imagine that there were two people who were just over their head in debt, beyond what they, 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 they could fathom or ever get out of. One of them uh, was in debt for 50, 000, 50 coins. One of them was for fi 500 co uh, silver coins. In your Bible, it may say... Uh, um, uh, something a little different, but basically one coin was one day's wage. So one person was in debt for 50 days of work. And not only do you have to work, you got to pay your other, you just, you're swamped. And one of them for 500. 500 days work. That's like, in a five-day work week, it'd be like you'd be in debt for, for over two years in order to pay this off. And you have the rest of your life to live, right? They are in crushing debt. And they're that the one they're indebted to walks up to him and says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Forgiven. Imagine. Think about that. And Jesus says to Simon, Simon, who do you think loved the, 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 the one who forgave the debt more? And Simon, again, not to pick on him, but he says, I suppose the one with more debt. I'm like, you suppose? <laughs> Come on, man. Yes, of course. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that, but if you've been under the weight of something, trapped by something, and that moment when you step out into freedom, that moment when you're like, the weight is off, maybe you dance, and you're like, yeah, let's party. Maybe you sing. Maybe you twirl in circles and you want to tell the world, or, or maybe like this woman, you just want to sit and weep because that weight is gone. And he says, yeah, Simon, you're, you're right. And he looks at the woman with his heart of compassion, yet talking to Simon, says, Simon, when I came in, you didn't offer any way to wash my feet. That was, that was standard in culture. It kind of tells you his heart when Jesus came into the house. It was standard to wash your guest's feet. He said, Simon, you didn't, you didn't wash my feet, but this woman... She, she's been washing it with her tears and drying with her hair. It, often in those times when you went to a house, they, they would anoint your head. It was part of the, the, the honoring system, honoring a great teacher. She said, you didn't anoint me or welcome me with a kiss, but she's anointed with, with this perfume and she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. He says, Simon, this woman, he says, though her sins are many, you need to acknowledge that we're all, we're all sinners. Jesus doesn't just like, ah, sin, no big deal. He's like, no, they're, they're real. 
We are broken. We have all fallen short. We have all sinned. He says, this woman, I, I know she has done a lot of things and had a lot of things done to her. But the, her sins are forgiven. She's shown me much love. But you've ignored all of this. And he says the most powerful words I can think of to this woman who is broken, cast out, loveless, hated by society. He says, you're forgiven. Go in peace. And when Jesus says that over her, everything changes. I love this, this picture of what it paints of how Jesus talks to this woman, of how Jesus uh, talks to the Pharisee. But I love the picture, most of all, that it paints of what worship really is. This woman had everything changed for her by this man, Jesus. And she just sits at his feet and says, oh, thank you. I don't even have words you ever one of those times in life where those tears just go and you, you can't speak? You don't have words. There's not enough. None that'll even fit. That's her emotion as she sits at Jesus' feet. There are two things in the time we have left here that I want to pull out. Just, just two simple things. These aren't points of worship. These aren't seven, uh, two keys to worship. These are just two things that I see in this woman that I want to emulate in my life. Two things that I want to pull out and challenge you with as we think about what does it mean to love God with our worship. The first thing I see, and it jumps out to me clearer, uh, clearer than day, is this. What does this woman show us that what true worship is? She came to that place ready. The Bible tells us that she heard Jesus was there, and she brought with her this, this, her, her most cherished possession— her most expensive thing she owned, more than likely. She said, Jesus is there. We know that she must have had an encounter with Jesus earlier because when she heard he was there, she said, I, I need to get this thing. And I need to be in there. I need to go to his feet because he changed everything for me. My life was useless, worthless, cast out. This man looked at me and changed everything. She heard Jesus was there. She grabbed her best and went and, and fought her way. Now, it probably wasn't easy for her to do this because the house was probably full. And for her to go into the house of a Pharisee, <laughs> you're probably getting stoned, you're probably getting killed. But somehow she said, I, I don't care what's on the line here. My life, my finances, the most expensive thing, I, I have to be at the feet of this person who changed me. She came ready. She came expecting. Everyone else in that room came for different reasons. Maybe they came to party. Maybe they came to accuse Jesus or trap Jesus. She came to worship. She fought her way through crowds in order to sit at his feet, and she came ready. And I don't say this to, to, to make anyone feel bad or make you feel guilty, but there are times when I come to a worship service, and I have nothing ready. I'm just like, yeah, we'll see what happens. What would it look like if you and I, before we come into these doors, now this is just a part of worship, but before we come to the doors to this church, say, Jesus, I'm coming ready today. I know what happens on Sunday mornings as you get your family ready for church. I know what it's like when you're driving to church because it happens to us all the time. You're in a fight. You get cut off. You, your kids are driving you crazy. You drive into the church parking lot yelling at each other. I, don't raise your hands, but I know who you are. 
right? Your, the enemy of your soul who hates worship of God will do whatever he can to distract you and rob you and get you ill-prepared for when you walk into a worship service. And you spend half the worship service going, uh, uh, finally, as, as, as the team hits their last note, you're like, okay, maybe I'm, wait, we're done, <laughs> right? I say that because I've been there. What would happen if we showed up ready? If we pulled into a parking lot if we approach the doors of this church to worship and, and said this little prayer, God, I leave all the distractions here. I'm coming ready. I'm coming ready to receive. Not for me, because God, I just, you're worth it. You're worth all I have and more. That's what this woman shows me. She found her most prized possession, fought through a crowd just to be at Jesus' challenges me because if I'm honest I don't remember the last time I just I had to fight to be at Jesus feet or I came ready with my best I came ready to sing to worship with my hands I there are times when life just happens <laughs> right hard times difficulties frustrations <laughs> enemies your neighbor you know that one skill soft party remember that um, like I oh, got and Jesus does something in the middle of your day or as you approach church, what would happen? We said, no, I'm putting that aside because God, you're greater than this. There's a song I used to sing as a kid and, 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 and basically the words go like this. All the things of this earth grow dim in the light of your, your grace and your power. As I gaze on you, all of these things don't matter as much. This woman, this years worth uh, uh, wages vial that's nothing compared to this moment I have with Jesus I'm setting it aside what would happen if we came ready came expecting expecting Jesus this is what this woman teaches me the Bible tells us in Psalm 100 4 through 5 that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving go into his courts with praise Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. What would it look like if we took this serious? And the Bible says, enter his gates, and we say, here we come. I'm ready. This is what the worship of this woman teaches me. The beauty and simplicity just coming ready. She teaches us one other thing that, that I need to be reminded of daily. This, the other thing she, she teaches me is this, is that she was deeply connected with the grace of Jesus, deeply and intimately connected with that grace, with that forgiveness. It, it, it says it this way. Jesus says it in verse 47. He says, I tell you, Simon, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown so much love because she was so connected to that forgiveness and that grace that she didn't deserve or earn. And I didn't either. Here, here's what happens in our lives so often is, is we just get going, and if you serve God for any length of time, we become, and, and, and I apologize if this is you, but we become disconnected to his forgiveness. We know we're forgiven. Ah, oh, yeah, we're forgiven. That's, that's, yep, forgiven, hey! But when was the last time you just stood in awe of the fact that Jesus saw you in your mess 
and said, peace, be forgiven. I, I think there are times, no, I know that daily we need to reconnect with that grace. Every single day say, Jesus, thank you. Because I didn't deserve it. I did nothing to earn it. I've made a lot of bad choices. Junk has happened to me. My life is a mess. But Jesus, you somehow saw value in this and said, peace, you're forgiven. What would happen if we reconnected with that on a deeper, more intimate level on a daily basis? God, forgive me for ever taking that for granted. Forever allowing that disconnect sometimes. And we've all been there. You, you come to church and we're, we're singing a song. Hey, we sang it today. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Sometimes we just sing, Holy is God. Amen, Lord. When are we getting to the cookies? All right, right. There are times when I feel that way. I have to correct myself. There's a saying that I live by, right actions, uh, right feelings follow right actions. I may not feel like, like I need to get reconnected, so I, but I'm gonna, like this woman, fight through the crowd. I'm gonna be there. I don't feel like singing these words. I don't feel connected to these words. But I'm going to take a step in faith and say, Jesus, I'm, gonna, I'm coming after you. Help me be connected to that deep grace and forgiveness that only you can provide. What would it look like if we as a church not only came prepared, but we fought to stay connected on a daily basis? Not, not just in, in our church services, but on a daily basis. I know how hard that is. But I say, Jesus, I never want to take for granted your grace and your forgiveness, because that changed everything for someone like me who was broken and didn't deserve it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a song or a, a, another scripture, Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. It says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. I love this part. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. His mercies are new every morning. Look at me. Everyone watching online, you're here. Look at me. His mercies are new every morning. When we feel disconnected, it's not because they're not new or because they're old. It's because sometimes we just, we lose sight. I want to be somebody who daily reminds myself his mercies are new, to, new today and I'm going after it. His grace is fresh today. I had a terrible day yesterday. I messed up yesterday, but his grace is new today because I need it. What would it look like for us to stay that connected? What this woman teaches us is what I believe is a picture of what worship really is all about. He is worthy. And when this woman worships, when we worship, and we sing songs like Holy Friend, do you know what's so beautiful about that? It's not just us. Our voices and our worship is connecting with those in heaven right now in this moment, singing those same words, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Bible tells us in the, in the book of Revelation that the elders are, take their crowns and they lay it at his feet and say, this is nothing because you are worthy. When we learn to worship this way, 
we're connecting with heaven. And there's something beautiful about it. That's why I look at this woman and go, wow. She's bowing at his feet. So are the angels and the saints in heaven. That's what worship is. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your own life. Is that what it is to you? I don't, I, I don't say this saying, I expect perfection tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, I don't preach. I say this all the time, and I, it, you're going to get tired of some of the things I say all the time. Only two weeks in, but buckle up. I don't preach for perfection. I preach for progress. And we say, Jesus, today I'm going to be a little bit better that, at this than I was yesterday. Here's my challenge to you. And each one of these four worship, devotion, community, and generosity, I'm going to give you an assignment between now and the end of the year if you should choose to accept it. Would you, with me, say, when I approach these doors, I'm coming ready and I'm staying connected. When, when I come to these worship services, I, and I know worship is more than just in this room, but when I come, I'm coming ready. When I come, I'm going to stay connected. Here's why. Because a hungry and broken world who, the, who everyone else is shunned needs to see a church that says, this is the Jesus I serve. This is how powerful he is. My heart for us as a church is that we would be known as people who worship Jesus. Not for us. Not so we get gold stars and a bigger crown in heaven. Because he's worth it. My heart for CTK Ferndale is that people who are broken like this woman would find a place. They wouldn't have to fight or feel shunned at the door. That you and I, just somebody who's broken, say, come with me because I'm just like you. Let's go to Jesus' feet. What would that look like? What would that be like? That's my challenge to you. That is my heart. When I say we need to love God and we're going to do this by worshiping Jesus, I want those words to ring in, your, ring in your head. And when you approach that door next week, that every single person will say, Jesus, prepare my heart. I'm coming ready. I leave all the, the distraction and argument in the car. <laughs> it changes right here, right now. Because he's worthy and people need to see a God who's worthy. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to close in a worship song. But as they come, look at me. Those of you who are online and those of you here. I hope you take this challenge. You say, Adam, I'm with you. Progress. Hey, between now and Christmas, I'm, I'm going to work on it. I'm not just going to hear the words of a, of a pastor of a Bible and walk away and forget what they were. I'm going to work on it. I, my prayer for you is that you would say, I'm in. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. And I'm going to pray in just a moment before we worship. I'm going to pray that we would do that together as a church family. Man, when the church worships Jesus that way, I watch, it'll be unstoppable. But one other thing before I pray, and this is on my heart. Maybe you're in this room and you feel like this woman. Broken, outcast, shunned. Maybe, may, maybe the voice of the enemy just keeps repeating, you're worthless, you're useless, nobody likes you. Look at what you've done. Your life was a mess. How could anyone, if this church even knew how bad you were, they wouldn't sit next to you. If those words are going through your head, I need to tell you that's a lie. That's not from God.
he looks at you and says, forgiven. As we approach him, if you don't know this Jesus, can I have the privilege to introduce you to him? He died on a cross for your sins. That you could have life that you could have freedom, that you could be deeply and intimately connected with forgiveness and grace. That's amazing grace that I know. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and if you want to accept this Jesus, if you say, I'm going to follow this Jesus, I need that kind of forgiveness. <laughs> I want you to pray with me. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we've had to worship you. And I thank you for the opportunity we're going to have in just a moment as the team leads us in one last song. God, I pray we would do just what we talked about, what this woman in the book of Luke teaches us. God, may we be prepared. May we not just merely do lip service to a song and just sing some words that are on a screen, but God, may we let them connect in our hearts deeply. And may that be our, our goal, our progress from this point forward. God, I pray for anybody in this room who does not yet know you, who are struggling with the lies of the enemy. God, I pray they would say this prayer with me. Lord, I'm a broken person. I've made some wrong choices, had a lot of stuff happen, but Jesus, I come to you asking for forgiveness because I need something deeper and more. Come into my life. I confess you are Lord. I believe you died on a cross and rose again. In Jesus' name. God, I pray that we as a church would be the church you're calling us to be. That we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We would love people as, 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 uh, as you love us. And, and one of the ways we can do that, challenge us, is with our worship. In Jesus' name, everybody said, would you stand with me as we get an opportunity to worship?